Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Well, hey, everybody, this is Father Brian. Today I sit down with Maria. Maria is such an awesome person. She inspires me to service to those who are in need, and we talk about being led by the breath of the Holy Spirit. I think that you will enjoy this conversation. graduated with a bachelor's degree in international affairs with a French minor um, and now I'm getting my master's of public administration with an emphasis in nonprofit management. Man. A mouthful. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's it's pretty interesting. It's a lot, but yeah. So far so good. I think. I'm a big fan of nonprofit work. The church is a nonprofit technically. Mm-hmm. And so I'm involved in a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, in that conversation, I, so I can understand yeah. it. I can't understand everything, but um, but I can understand more more or less nonprofit work because we are a nonprofit. Yeah, I mean, the more I learn from it, the more I kind of gain knowledge about how different each, you know, like a charity or a foundation or a church yeah. or like an international organization, how different they are, but also how similar they are in in what they want to achieve for the world type of thing. But there's so much that goes into it that I had no idea. So it's pretty cool being able to learn about all of Yeah, that. and so what are you doing after you graduate this summer? Great question. <laughs> so I'm applying to a bunch of nonprofits. Um, that's basically what I want to do. Um, mostly like volunteer management positions and or really anywhere they will hire me. So also internationally. But yeah, we're, we're, we're still looking. Hopefully going to well, find something soon, but yeah. The the issue with nonprofits, as much as I love them, is the fact that a lot of them don't have a, too much money. So most of the things that they can offer is, are like unpaid internships, and I've done my fair share of I unpaid have a ton internships of unpaid internships and volunteers that, uh, are available here. Yeah, so <laughs> I I love them. It's so much fun. Um, the last one I had was amazing, but it was also my parents' uh, last straw saying, so uh, maybe next time you can get paid for all the work you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I said, hopefully. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, yeah. all of that work is will help you in, in that next opportunity. A hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And again, I get so much fulfillment for just being able to help the nonprofits that I've been able to work at and just the life experiences that I've gotten from each one is, I mean, they're priceless. So yeah. definitely worth it. So what have you done in terms of uh, internships, these unpaid internships? Yes. Um, <laughs> a lot of volunteer work, um, but like the, I mean, I'll say three main internships. Summer 2019, I think it was, I had the opportunity to volunteer, or not volunteer, intern with um, Save the Children International in their um, Nepal branch. So um, I had to pay my way out there, but it was amazing. So I got to work with um, the people in the Nepal branch. I worked in the media and communications department for like 
three months, um, learned a little bit about just how international corporations work and how um, different branches work um, in accordance with the like bigger international headquarters. Um, but I also got to hang out in Nepal for three months, which I was never, it's never like a, oh, like, I'm going to go to Nepal. It's always like, I'm going to go to Europe. So it wasn't. It was probably stunning. It was amazing. And the, the people are so nice. I always said, I was like, they put Southern hospitality to shame, like 100%. Um, I met really amazing people. I met people from around the world because um, Kathmandu, where I was, it's kind of like a big international cultural hub because it's also where a lot of people go before climbing Everest. So people just, I guess, go there. So I met a bunch of people from different organizations, learned from them as well. Um, like I met people that worked at the World Bank, people that worked in UNICEF just from going to a trivia night. And so that was really cool. And I learned a lot there as well. Um, let's see, I also worked with Rescuing Hope, so they do like human trafficking, sex trafficking, and I helped them come up with a curriculum for middle schoolers, kind of informing students about human trafficking and everything along those lines. So that one was a little harder because kind of having to think about children learning that and like me just going through the curriculum and it being a lot mentally for me, thinking about children that have to think about that in school was also difficult um but I mean it's a really good thing that they're doing and they're a more local Georgia organization but they're doing a lot of really good things and then the last one I had was I was a volunteer management intern for Bigger Vision which is a homeless shelter here in Athens and so they provide immediate like emergency shelter overnight shelter they provide dinners um, and meals for people experiencing homelessness um, as well as a abundant life program which helps um people that apply to this program kind of have more sustainable living so work towards getting a job work towards getting a like a more stable apartment and things of that sort so yeah those are my three most recent bigger internships that I've done all kind of different sizes I'd say like big medium to smaller sized so each one really cool and moving forward these intern or these not unpaid internships, but these jobs slash paid internships, whatever, mm -hmm. um, what fields are those? Because it, it's, what's interesting about nonprofit work, like you're saying, is like there's a variety of, of opportunity to hold. Everything is different. Yeah. yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm extremely indecisive, extremely indecisive. Um, and I think that stems from the fact that I'm very passionate about a bunch of different things. Um, so like growing up, I did gymnastics and pole vaulting and like was super into my sports. So I was like, sure, I wanted to do something there. You know, like there's nonprofits that, um, provide more accessible opportunities for like a fun exercise. So I was like, that'd be something really cool to be involved in. Um, then I got really into helping specific people in my community. So people experiencing homelessness, um, or, you know, other people that just need more help, like in my direct community. So there's that. And then internationally as well, you know, there's the, should I stay locally and help my community more locally? Or like, there's so many people experiencing um, struggles, whether it's through because of poverty or because they don't have the resources or because of war. Um, so should I go abroad and help 
those people. So really, right now, I'm just looking everywhere. We may be indecisive, but that's you just pointed at endless opportunity. Like yeah. There's needs everywhere. There are. It's kind of overwhelming sometimes because when trying to decide, it's like if I'm deciding over one, like one over the other, am I really using my skills where I'm needed most kind of thing? It's a difficult decision in the end. I'm sure I'll be pointed to like what I'm supposed to do, but there's a lot of places that need help that I think I might be able to help in some way. Um, but it's hard to decide which one is the best place where I can put my skills, you know? Yeah. How would, how did you, I mean, where did this, all of these desires to get into not just nonprofit work, but, but what you're talking about is helping other people. Yeah. Um, so I was born in Bolivia, so it's like a slightly poorer country it's absolutely beautiful landscape is amazing so food just delicious um most of my family is actually still back there but I think the fact that I was able to come to the U.S. gave me a lot of opportunities that I wouldn't have had if I had stayed in Bolivia um I think my life would have been very different and I just think because I have this blessing of having these opportunities and having um, all of these resources accessible to me and being able to have such a good education um, and like the ability to learn these skills that I'm learning, like being able to be in this master's program right now um, just kind of pushed me to give back because there are people that don't have that opportunity and don't have those opportunities that I was just blessed with and like lucky to have so I just kind of feel like it's on me to give back when I was given so much yeah along those lines <laughs> yeah yeah you your family's in a lot of your families in Bolivia do you go back there um we try to go back every two to three years um it's expensive <laughs> um and recently they've had some political turmoil so it's been a little more difficult um, but yeah, we try to go back every two to three years. Most of my family is still back there. Yeah. So that's a direct influence for, uh, having a global perspective. And then Nepal mm -hmm. just expanded that, uh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You see a lot of different things and like, again, it's, it's the whole, there's a lot that you can help with locally and in the U S because there are people suffering everywhere. Um, but then again, there's just, it's like the whole world. I just feel like everyone needs to be helped if they can kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And did you go to, did you go to church out in Nepal? I did. What was that like? That was, that was crazy. That was probably crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think I've ever been in a place where the minority religion is, you know, Christianity or like Catholicism because um, in Bolivia my entire family is super Catholic it's amazing but I was so lost when I went to Nepal I stayed with my host family and like um thankfully uh the mom was Catholic um she didn't practice that much but you know I could talk to her about things and um I would talk to her about how I was feeling because I think the first two weeks I could not 
figure out where to go to church. I could not find a place. Um, it was, everything was new. And a lot of people in Nepal speak English, but um, not everyone does. And if I wanted to go to church, I would have to take a cab by myself. Um, and I would have to figure out how to get there because in Nepal, when you get in a cab, you kind of have to tell them where to go. Um, and I didn't know where to go. So I didn't have um, like international data. So I didn't have internet where I could just like pull up Google Maps and be like, okay, turn left, turn right. Um, and some of the roads are different. They drive on the other side of the road and traffic is chaotic. There will be just like cows walking through. So you have to like drive around the cows. So it was like a whole thing. But I remember it was one Sunday morning and I had found what I thought was a church. And I was like, this is a Catholic church. It's near, um, what's the organization? Caritas. You've heard of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Caritas. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, they're a Catholic organization and it's right next to that. So this makes sense. I found it on Google. I screenshotted all of the directions. I called a cab and then I was just like, all right, God, if you want me to to be with you, if you want me to get there, you're going to have to guide me. Holy Spirit, you just, you got to somehow make it possible for me to get there. And then I got in the cab and I told the cab driver where I wanted to go. And he said, I don't really know where that's, that is. And I said, I have the Google map directions screenshot on my phone. We'll get, we'll get there together. And he said, okay. So it went okay. Then we got to like kind of the drop off point and I still didn't see the church. Um, and I said, that's okay. You can drop me off here. I will walk. So then <laughs> it was basically me just walking through dirt roads, tiny little dirt road alleys, trying to figure out where this church was. And somehow it was definitely the Holy Spirit. Somehow I made it and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, I remember like walking in, so there's a little gate and it was, um, there's like a kind of like a garden and green space and then, um, like a statue of Jesus. And then off to the side, there was, um, like a whole statue of Mary and it was amazing. There's flowers around it. And I just went in front of the, uh, Mary statue and just like cried. And I was like, well, God looks like you wanted me here. Thank you for getting me here. Um, and then I went inside the cool thing about um, the church was there were no pews, um, so you had to take your shoes off before you went into church, which is very different from here, um, but that was to show respect in their culture, and you sat on the floor on these little pillows. You'd still kneel and sit and stand and everything, but it was, um, yeah, there was no pews, and I was super caught off guard, um, but when I walked in, there was a few nuns praying the rosary, so... Um, I prayed the rosary and then mass started and somehow it was a English mass. It was like the one English mass that they had. (laughs) And I said, well, this is great. Um, They had little hymnals so you can sing along. Um, And then at the end, there was a little market and I went and had some food afterwards, met some people. And um, one of the ladies I met like asked me, what I was doing there and how I got there. And I was like, no idea. Holy Spirit, 100%. And she was like, it's so cool to see people coming here and like, you're so young. And I said, 
yes, this is so great. And then she talked to me and walked me back because there was no way I was going to get from like the back alley of where this church was back out to the street to hail a cab. And um, she walked me out of there and helped me get a cab. And then I went home and it was great. And then I went back every other weekend or every weekend. Um, And it was, yeah, it was so, so good. And it was cool to see just the variety of people there. And um, yeah, I remember the other thing they were telling me was that that church had been bombed a few years back. Um, And so the fact that they were able to rebuild and people kept coming despite, you know, how, you know, sometimes it's scary because like I wasn't allowed to go to work two or three times because of bomb threats. So the fact that I was still able to go there and feeling so much peace in that space despite you know the risk was really cool too and seeing all the people that were there as well just like definitely made me remember how universal our church is and how God is everywhere and when you ask him to get you somewhere he's gonna get you there and you just have to trust in him to get you there and he really does he does he do he does do that so what was the conflict what were, were the bombs coming from um, so basically it's like a, it's like a group that's against the government. I forgot what they were called, but yeah, every now and then they would just protest and set off some bombs in certain locations. Um, and I think just things that they didn't agree with. So a Catholic church a few years back was one of their main targets, so that's why they set it off there. Most of the time it was in this like main city, which is why I wasn't able to go to um, work a few of those days because they just wanted basically the government to shut down. Sure. Right. It's something that the population deals with, right? It's something that the civilians yeah. uh, have to live amongst. Yeah. Yeah. That and all the earthquakes, which is a lot as well. <laughs> I remember walking down the streets and uh, there was just like really big wooden sticks holding up buildings because they were just completely leaning. And if the sticks weren't there, they would just fall. But people were just, that's just how life was. You just like put it up and kept going. It's like this. Okay, cool. It's a different experience. I don't think you'd ever see that here. Just kind of tear down the building, rebuild it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, not there. That sounds like an excellent experience, mm-hmm. uh, especially like you said, the universality. Uh, so being able to step into a place and feel at home, even if things are different, mm-hmm. right? Even if everything is seemingly different culturally, but at the same time, uh, it's still the mass, it's still Eucharist, it's still the religious sisters who are there, the priests yeah. who's there. Uh, the the church that's that's there, uh, and the the liturgy it's it, that universality, right? The fact that even though I'm in Nepal in a Nepalese Catholic church, I'm listening to the same scripture that's being listened to here. You know, it's I think also just growing up, I had supposedly I had separation anxiety, so I had issues, <laughs> and so uh, my brother always asks me like, how can you just like leave and like go to these places that you don't know anyone and just like be there like how are you not afraid because I had all these issues growing up you know and uh 
I definitely think I find the peace in the fact that like I know God is with me all the time and I know the Holy Spirit will guide me wherever I need to be but also like our church is universal and like I know that if I find a Catholic church like those people are my brothers and sisters and I can count on them and I can lean on them um anywhere I go which is I don't like that's so hard to find but we we get to we get to share that and that universality of that global community yeah yeah you mentioned Caritas Caritas is uh, a humanitarian aid extension from the Vatican so they're all over the world and so yeah, if you're in Nepal and you don't know where to go, you can always go to them, mm-hmm. uh, and they would di- be able to direct you, like you said. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's stellar. It's a it's a cool thing. Yeah. Definitely a perk of <laughs> being Catholic. I mean, there's so many good things, but I think one of my favorite things is that for sure. I would always brag about that too. All of my protestant friends and we just like talk about faith and stuff and i was like dude catholic church is universal man like i can talk about the homily i heard with my cousin in bolivia and wow like, that is scriptures, true but like that is true yeah it's like okay it's, it's it, the same thing kind of it's funny because uh people always talk about pope francis uh in almost like a in a almost from a disposition of narcissism where it's like, well, Pope Francis isn't addressing this particular thing that's going on in our community here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's funny because I mean, I researched it one time is that the Catholic church globally, only 5% is in the U S yeah. And so 95% of the Catholic church is, is global is yeah. obviously global, but it's outside of the United States. Uh, and so it's funny because a lot of the things that he does is very much so in other contexts, in these contexts, like he's actively doing work uh, around the globe and instructing and walking with people around the globe. And a lot of it has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> a lot of it has nothing to do with us, but it's almost like we're narcissists in the sense of like, well, they should like the Vatican should be attending to our everyday needs or all of the all of the issues that we have and what our politicians said over here. Yeah. It's like, there's actually, it's a, it's a big church. Yeah. It's a very big it's church. It's a very big church. And there's issues. There's, there's bombings in the streets of Nepal that are from, um, you know, not civil war, but from guerrilla warfare or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that's on the radar. So Pope Francis went to, uh, Iraq and visited right. Iraq. Uh, that's something that's not on the forefront of our minds. Mm hmm is the Middle East, specifically Iraq, specifically Christians in Iraq. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that we uh, think about. Mm-hmm. But when he went there, it, it was such a reminder, such a provocative reminder of, um, of our community, of our community that is global, that's suffering, that my, my personal needs and drama that I have and that we have in the church here in the city of Atlanta... Uh, and then in the uh, United States, it's like, man, that's also nothing compared to um, what other folks are experiencing and mm-hmm. are, are in need. Like you said, like everybody, there's people throughout the world who are in need, in need of something, in need of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an interesting article, I think it was National Geographic, 
talking about Pope Francis's visit to Iraq, and he, they said that um, the streets used to be rubble. And then when Pope Francis organized this trip and when he came, there was a parade with balloons on the same street, mm. like dancers and color and balloons right. uh, in the, on the same street as this as probably just the, the impact yeah. that, a, uh, that a, um, a shepherd has like that. Yeah. The amount of hope and celebration that brings even from all even from non-Christians, mm-hmm. uh, non-Catholics. Uh, I think everybody appreciates life coming yeah. out of rebel. Yeah, I agree. And also just like being seen, I think, like the fact that I think it was like a really long time before and or since any pope had been to Iraq or something like that. Like, yeah, I don't think it's ever happened. Right, so the fact that he did go visit and in a place that was rubble and that had been bombed and that had felt to the destruction he was like i see you and like you are still part of this community this global community um i think that's also a really big thing that yeah that's huge people into being seen i remember i was in the country of guatemala which ironically they call the nepal of the west oh i'll have to go they call (laughs) it the nepal of the west because it's super mountainous um, gorgeous and I remember I was talking to somebody there who's been uh, in the church world for a number of decades, and they said that uh, John Paul II visited them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that, even though that was, like, I don't know how many years ago that was now, at least 30 years, mm-hmm. maybe it was even 40 years ago, uh, and he experienced it personally, but, like, the amount of impact that has, all right, 40 years from now, you just need one trip by a pope for one generation, yeah. and it lasts, that impact. Yeah. That last, it is like you said, it's being being seen, uh, and having that such a uh, powerful impact. Mm-hmm. And I think that as well. I mean, uh, for uh, a number of years ago, John Paul II went to Denver. I was just talking to someone the other day about this, about the church in Denver's uh, doing very well, mm-hmm. and it's because, in my perspective, it's because um, they had a they had a provocative encounter with uh, uh, the Pope a number of years ago, mm-hmm. and that influenced the culture, that influenced the churches, that influenced upbringing, uh, where that generation then formed the next generation. So it actually like has this, but I think it has, like you said, a lot to do with being seen. Yeah, yeah being seen around, especially those who are unseen, or feel unseen, I right. should say. But I would agree. It's like, I don't often see people as well. And that's why I love how when Francis went to Iraq, it's like, gosh, like I haven't been seeing this. Mm-hmm. I haven't been uh, praying for them and I haven't been uh, trying to sit in solidarity with them and remembering their uh, issues and the conflicts. That's why I ask about what's going on in Nepal is because mm-hmm. we don't always see not just the people, but also what they're going through, what they're right. thinking about. Yeah, yeah. And if we think about our church as universal and as all of them being our brothers and sisters, we should kind of be thinking about everyone, which, again, is so hard to do when you know that there's so many people struggling, like, right next door, you know? It's it's hard to have a global perspective, especially, I feel like, during the pandemic when you're, like, 
everyone is suffering. I'm suffering. Yeah. <laughs> how, how can I, you know, go beyond myself? And, you know, it's a lot to take in. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was reading stuff with, uh, it was a briefing from Catholic Relief Services, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how the work that they're doing around the globe this past year and how the pandemic has affected all of that. But then they said how the pandemic has just been like a cherry on the top of everything else that they've been dealing with. Yeah. And it's not even their main issue. Right. It's just another issue that that uh, forces either, um, yeah, forces individuals or families to be in even more crisis. Yeah. Yeah, because if you think about it, the other problems don't stop unfortunately, because of the pandemic. So, um, like, that was a big thing when dealing with, when I was, or not volunteering, interning at Bigger Vision this past semester, because as a homeless shelter who, you know, houses overnight shelter, uh, they couldn't house as many people every night because of social distancing rules. And um, since they're a smaller shelter, you know, they, they can't just get that many more resources like other homeless shelters were able to because I think some homeless shelters were able to um, use the hotels around them for a little while to house people mm. and families. Um, but yeah, the pandemic just made things a little more difficult when there was already a big problem to begin with, you know. And I mean, they made they made do. They were still able to provide meals to most of the people that came to ask for food and um, we're still able to provide shelter for, I think, a little over half um, of the people that they used to be able to. So, you know, you adapt and you continue to do what you can. But, yeah, unfortunately, problems don't necessarily stop. So what did you do with them with Bigger Vision? Yeah, so I did volunteer management. Um, so mainly worked with – I kind of did a little bit of, of everything, but – mainly volunteer management, so worked with people who wanted to help meal provide. Um, Same with setting up different um, volunteer roles for when the pandemic ends, since a lot of their volunteer um, opportunities were temporarily canceled since they couldn't come and, you know, help clean the pantries and things of the sort inside the homeless shelter. Um, So mainly talking with them and talking with all the volunteers that usually help out, um, I also helped create a create their newsletter. So now they have a newsletter so they can send out and um, send out to donors and to volunteers and um, to anyone that's interested to like partnering with other nonprofits about what they have going on, about fundraising, um, things of that sort. I set up their Give Pulse page so it's easier for people to volunteer through that. And uh, I, I created a few different little infographics for um, the things they're doing during the pandemic, as well as um, just what programs I continue to offer during the pandemic and things of that sort. So, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, that is. But, that is, but that's good work, meaningful yeah, work. It is, for sure. I learned so much. I think the first few weeks, um, the executive director that was there at the time, Kelsey, sent me like a lot of videos, just, you know, in that helped me learn because I was like, okay, like I understand 
homelessness. You don't. <laughs> you never do. And these videos were just kind of eye-opening because I thought I already knew a lot because I've had um, experiencing experience working with um, people experiencing homelessness. And there was just so much more that I didn't even think about, you know. And, like, like one of the things that I researched, and this was another thing I helped um, – provide was the fact that like what do you do if a person experiencing homelessness has a dog you know there's certain shelters that can't allow dogs inside and then if they are service dogs like how does that person get um like you know those documents in order to be able to like show the shelter and like like the whole service dog policy for a homeless shelter and you have to think about that um and like how like having a dog can be so beneficial for someone that doesn't have a home but it can also be a hindrance in trying to have shelter so all those different things that you don't really think about and you take for granted that I was like it's not really cut and dry so I learned a lot for sure gives you new perspective on life as well gives you a, a very new perspective or at least a perspective from um from the streets, yeah. right? A perspective that um, is necessary. Like you said, seeing people and knowing knowing what they're going through and knowing that they're out there and uh, and always being aware of that. There was uh, John Paul II. Uh, he has this cool definition of solidarity. Of solidarity is a commitment uh, mm. of being with individuals. So like instead of like I use the term differently, um, but I like that I use the term in the sense of like right now, like we can very much there's like a spiritual solidarity of like I can I can in a sense like sit in prayer with the people of Nepal and what they're going through. Yeah. Right. Or the or the the people experiencing homelessness here in Athens, like there's a spiritual solidarity that happens. But the way that he uses the word is that no, it's actually a commitment a life commitment of working for and defending and and trying to bring about justice and peace um and life uh for individuals who are in need yeah that's really cool yeah i think that's harder to do but definitely great if you're able to <laughs> for sure because like you said it's a commitment Every yeah commitment but i don't well, i think it's there's everyone. Everyone has needs. I, I learned this, uh, perhaps from Pope Francis. Actually, uh, he calls it the existential periphery. Uh, have you heard that term? I've heard it. I yeah. Really so <laughs> I've I've been super. I don't want to say confused, but it's there's been something in my own heart that says, "All right, I'm operating in the United States, in a wealthy parish now a." Uh, well-off Catholic center mm -hmm. uh, around other individuals who are also, you know, somewhat well-off, educated, uh, driven towards success, very capable. And uh, at the same time, I have a heart for the margins. And so it's this really interesting tension of like, this is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. This is my place. Yeah. This is where I've been put. I'm doing this. But for whatever reason... Um, I guess over, over the, over the years through your experiences, like you don't forget people. Yeah. And so those people are in my heart 
uh, I walk around with them and I'm always trying to, um, I don't know, stay in that committed relationship in solidarity, yeah. of solidarity with those who are in need. Um, and so I actually, I've actually found out that, and Pope Francis kind of articulated this, of the, he calls it the existential periphery, where like uh, deep within everybody, there's some significant needs. Mm-hmm. And those needs could be uh, being seen, right? Even if you have a whole bunch of money or if you have another, multiple degrees or whatever, Mm-hmm. Uh, or you may not know what love is, uh, or you may not have anyone who's supporting you, uh, or you are um, just vulnerable in a lot of ways due to family situation or due to being bullied by other people or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and so I've actually, uh, and then you get into other things like addictions and and dependencies and uh, just toxic relationships and not knowing how to do relationships and uh, in community. Yeah. Um, and so I found that like, at least that's the existential margins for me for the time being mm-hmm. is, all right, how do I walk somebody through a very important time in their life? Uh, yeah, they may not be in poverty. They may have uh, homes that they can go back to and family lives that are stable but they're also perhaps having uh, a mental illness or a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I don't know, it, it's, it's been really interesting because it's, it, that working in the church mm-hmm. has actually expanded my understanding of, of, uh, of suffering and what people go through. And um, it's expanded my understanding of the, of the margins, yeah. right, of the peripheries to include uh, the existential periphery. Yeah, no, I. that's a great way of looking at it, and I 100% agree. And obviously, like, the work that you do is so beneficial to everyone else, you know? Like, you can see it when people say, like, oh, I talked to Father Brian, and, like, it was really good, and I say, yes, you know? Like, it's so good, and I think, like, I had the opportunity to disciple a few girls through my college career, and, like, that, again, like you said, that even if they have all of these things, like you have homes, you have an education, um, that doesn't mean that you're not going through something. Everyone's always going through something. And the fact that maybe in a worldview, what you're going through weirdly doesn't, you know, like seem like it's equal to, you know, someone that's dealing with poverty or with um, having to live through a war, um, that doesn't invalidate what you're feeling and the struggles that you have to go through Um, and being able to be there for someone like no matter what they are going through is something that's so not just like beneficial to them but like knowing that you can at least be a support in some way is you know you're bringing good into the world and into their lives and um it's all very valid and it's all you know bringing good into the world so it's all very real yeah yeah for sure so that's really really good yeah so there the the method of god is incarnation Mm. right the method of god is to incarnate to and to become flesh to enter into uh the world right that was christ's mission he entered into the world he Mm -hmm. stepped into the world stepped into the mess um and uh, I think as Christians, at least for me, like that's been a, a mode of operation is like, all right, well, 
how do I step into the mess? How do I incarnate myself into the situation? Mm -hmm. And you do that, like you said, you you yourself did that uh, with all of these nonprofits. You're stepping into the situation and you um, kind of plunge yourself into the depths of it. Uh, and you are, you realize, like you said, you realize just how much is going on and just how many different factors there are and how many needs there are. Uh, but it's because you entered into something, um, very much so like Mm -hmm. you, you stepped into it. Um, I think in, in parish life, there's for me as a priest in parish life, uh, that's, that's the method. That's the method of ministry is to enter into the community, Mm. right? To step into the community. And then individually for my own self, I try to enter into and step into uh, people's lives. And so, yeah, I brush up against uh, the existential periphery, the fact that folks are carrying a lot of stuff. Mm. Uh, And there's a reason why uh, people lash out at each other and people have so many issues with this, um, there was something that happened recently with someone that I know and, um, someone else commented on it, another person that I know. And for me as a priest, and I, I say everything kind of in confidence yeah, and I hear everything in confidence. And so I don't know, I, I guess I just see that what people go through, like what we see is like the tip of an iceberg yeah. and there's all this other stuff that uh, nobody really knows about. And everybody, it's everybody. Yeah. Right? And people, if you looked at my own life, I could, I could show you what those, that iceberg is and like mm-hmm. how I've been working to make sure that um, everything is taken care of and I'm healthy and well-rounded and working, consistently working on my own self um, so that I can continue to lead and so I can continue to help other people. Right, that's important. Yeah. Kind of... I think that was one big thing that I had to learn um, through college is the fact that I wanted to do everything and help out with everything. And so um, I remember my freshman year, I went to the activities fair and I signed up for every single I'll organization. I'll take all of them. I'll take all of the activities. Yeah, all of them. And so my email was just like, it was like every morning I'd wake up, be like, a hundred notifications. You have three meetings today. And I was like, Okay. Um, and so I did have to learn kind of um, to pick and choose um, so that I can give myself more fully to the organizations that, you know, I was most passionate about, but also take the time to fill myself and make sure that, like, I'm okay. Because if I'm not in a good place, then how am I able to give back to other people? You know, um, it's, I, I heard a metaphor the other day and it was just like, you know, like you can have a, a cup and it can be like mostly filled with water. And then you take that cup and you like start filling the other cups, but then you're empty, right? Um, so what you could do instead is you stack these cups. So there's like four cups and then one cup right on top in the middle. And then you fill your cup and it just overflows until all the other cups beneath you are filled. So, you know, like it's just if you work on yourself and you give yourself that time to you know, deal with your stuff, then you're more capable of being able to give back and um, be there for other people that might need you in a much better way than if you didn't originally, like you did the other thing. So that's such a great analogy, mm-hmm. great metaphor. 
I don't know if it's a metaphor. Is a metaphor. Grammar is hard. That's, that's such a great image. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That. <laughs> that's such a great image, and that's yeah. that's my own experience. I've experienced being uh, being empty, and you're needing to pour still. Yeah. And I had to work personally. I had to work on that, and it was very hard. It's very difficult in a lot of different ways. It's very difficult. Mm. But then I've also experienced. Um, the effects of, all right, well, that didn't work. So now what do I do? And so, and then working on your own self, working on my own self and being poured into and finding ways like strategically uh, structuring my life so that I'm poured into so that it can just overflow. Yeah. Yeah. So that image rings true Mm -hmm. for me at least. Yeah, that's cool. I think it takes a while to figure that out. I definitely had, uh, it took me a long time to figure it out, for sure. And I don't think you perfect it. There's definitely times where I'd go back to the the first image of trying to give when I don't have much to give, and then giving everything I have and then being burnt out, so. Well, it feels like taking, like people are just taking. Right. right? And you have nothing to give, and mm-hmm. you're still taking, and it's such a, such a uh, difficult way to live. Yeah, because then I get mad because I love to give. You know, that that's what fills me. That's why I want to go into nonprofit because I want to be able to use my skills to help other people. But if I don't have enough to give and it feels like taking, then it's I don't feel that happiness that I usually feel when I get to serve with others and serve others and that. So it's just it's so counterintuitive, but it's... I mean, you, you fall into that every now and then, for sure. It's a constant learning. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Dogs Podcast. Catholic Center is located at 1344 South Lumpkin Street. For more info on how you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.